not wish to fight you, Loki. Once we were brothers. We were friends. We fought side by side, the sons of Odin, together. It could be that way again. You made your choice, Thor. Always the dutiful son. You chose to remain blind to Odin's lies. And for that choice, you will suffer. Avengers Spotlight! and welcome to Avengers Spotlight. We are once again jumping into an Avengers book, and this time it's one that came out just a few scant weeks ago, maybe two, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be more than a few weeks ago. We'll just say it came out the end of September, beginning of uh, October. And we'll say we're we're breaking format by covering a book that's so recent, but But that's that's the beauty of being the people who set format. We get to break it whenever we want. Yeah, but Spotlight, we can do anything because it's Avengers Spotlight. We can do anything Avengers. And this really breaks. This This is a new book, but yet it is an old book. This is already akin for me to when we did Avengers 1.5, which I think uh-huh. was our second or third Avengers Spotlight. Yeah, I believe so. so it's, it's, it's an effort to shoehorn a story in, you know, 20 years after the fact or 30 years after the fact however long however long ago they did well the, this would uh, be about siege on the mansion i think that was like 35 years ago already no really well hold on because i think uh, it was in the early 80s well maybe the mid 80s but even the mid 80s could be 35 years ago now you're making me feel old you know you are old not old you're not as old as me but you're old as old as you feel, my friend. I'm looking up the date. Oh, you know, it would be nice if I had spelled Avengers, but instead I spelled... Anger... Anergers. <laughs> that is, isn't like, that how you spell Avengers? Yeah, when you leave out the V and the E... Yeah, and then add an R in where it shouldn't be. Let me just fix that. Avengers 277. And why? Who opened the door? What happened? What did the cat get in here? 19... No. No. That's not it. 87. All right. So it's late 80s, which makes it... So you're right. Which makes it only only 32 years ago. Yeah. See? I told you it wasn't Practically new. All right. So right after the end of Avengers Volume 1, 277, which we have covered on the show because it is the... Uh, attack, uh, assault on Avengers Mansion storyline by the Masters of Evil. Uh, and there was a couple little follow-ups. Didn't we cover a couple, like an issue of Cap that talked about his Foot Locker? 
Yeah, that, like Zemo recreated with, or somebody recreated with a cube. Uh, like didn't didn't Baron von Zemo, or was it was it when he was in the Thunderbolts? No, there was something where he re- somebody recreated the stuff that was destroyed in Cap's Foot Locker. Yeah, I think it was uh, maybe like when we did our Bucky spotlight or something like that. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but there was yeah. definitely somewhere where they revisited this that storyline yeah. more than once. Well, now we have revisited because this story we're going to re revisit it. Having re revisited the scene of the crime, we are going to come back to this, and I have a uh, a very brief synopsis by uh, Marvel Fandom Wiki. Uh, there's not a full-blown synopsis, but we're going to go through it anyway. And it goes a little like this. And this is the solicit synopsis. It's salacious. Oh, wait. I don't think that word means what I think it does. No, I don't think Plas- it does. Classic Avengers writer Roger Stern returns to Earth's Mightiest Heroes for an all-new adventure set during his time on the series and with Infinity War's Ron Lim providing the art. The siege of Avengers Mansion is over, and Avengers are battered and in disarray. It's the worst time of all for Loki to discover a new source of mystic energies, one that connects to another classic villain, and a Paul backstory, and that will have dire consequences for all of reality unless those Avengers who remain standing are able to intercede. Ooh, dire consequences. Yes, everything is dire. Dire rates, dire consequences. Diarrhea. Dire straits. But not in that order. Huh? Well, I don't know. That means nothing. <laughs> so, yes. So, our cover is not by Ron Lim, in case you thought it was. Our cover is actually by Patch Zercher, Zercher? and Matt Yaki. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, I don't think you're saying it wrong, but just the way you say it. <laughs> it almost sounds like you, you just assume you're saying it wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> alright. Before we uh, get to the stuff on the inside, let's go back to the cover. So, uh, we've got a... Uh, this is Loki I, in his costume at the time. It doesn't have the big horns. It's when he had like the short helmet that it kind of goes up around his head. Kind of um, like a crown. Yeah, yeah. And he is basically surrounded by the current Avengers roster of the time, which is, the starting at the bottom right, is Iron Man in the Scarlet Centurion armor, one of Scott's favorite armors. Uh, we have uh, Captain America to the left. And it looks like they're all swinging at him or have hit him and uh, or about to hit him. And haven't really. It looks like Iron Man is hit him, but it's doing absolutely no good. Thor is behind uh, Loki, over his shoulder, getting ready to smack him with a hammer. The Wasp is flying overhead, blasting, b- bouncing. You know, basically looks like they're not hurting him at all. And Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, is blasting him with some energy. She was still Captain Marvel at this time before she became Photon, and then she becomes something else as well. I'm, I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> so, but it, right here, she's in her Captain Marvel outfit. So, it basically, they're the only things really there. The rest is like a little out shooting colors so that, you know, it's all kind of like a purplish color around them. Like, Loki's the center of the source of light, and then it just goes to 
fades like out to darkness around the edges. And almost, then it's, almost with a Kirby Crackle, but not quite. Yeah, Kirby, like if you took Kirby Crackle and then just cut lines through them, like speed lines going out from the center, kind of. So at the top it says Roger Stern, Ron Lim, Scott Hanna, Espen, oh boy, Gruntajern. <laughs> Here's here's the thing is I would pronounce it the same way, but what you would say was but I'm I'm pretty but I'm pretty sure we're pronouncing it wrong. I just don't know how to pronounce it the right way. Espen Grundigern. I am I am so sorry, Mr. Grundigern. I apologize. And it says the Avengers, and it's in the classic Avengers logo from this time. And it says Loki Unleashed. I didn't even know this was coming out. I went in my LCS and I was like, "Ooh, what's that?" And and then I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I was like, "Look, I need to open this up to make sure I'm not being tricked." And this is just some reap because they've been doing that a lot with these uncanny, you know, oh, true believer. It's a book for a dollar, you know, which is great. It but does already look, have it. It does have the look does, of a reprint. Right, so I'm like, wait a minute, is this just like a compilation? What's going on here? So then I open it up, and then just inside the front cover, it immediately says, takes place after, you know, there's a blah, 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 Avengers. Yeah, they got attacked in a mansion, blah, 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 blah. It says, takes place after the events of Avengers 277. Let's let's just, on the as far as the cover goes, uh, what I like about it is it feels very much in step with the John Buscema Tom Palmer art that we had in this original story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I did not get that same feeling inside the book. The, yes. cover, the cover definitely would, the cover would intrigue me enough to want to, uh, to want to read this as long as, you know, one, once I was confident, as you say, that it isn't a reprint because I would probably have the same fear that this is some sort of a re- repackaging of an old story. Well, and then once I saw inside that it said that Ron Lim does the art inside, I was like, ooh. But then I had to think for a second, and just like you said, it was John Buscema and, and and Tom Palmer. I was like, well, wait a minute. I don't remember Ron Lim doing the Avengers, but I know he did Silver Surfer, Infinity, um, Gauntlet. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Well, no, wait a minute. He did do Gauntlet. He did Wars, didn't he? But he did do Silver Surfer. Or war, like, not wars. He did. He, I think, if I remember did. right, per, per, Perez started, started it. That's right. But wasn't able to keep up, and then Lim right. picked it up, and okay. he did really a good job of kind of recreating the George Perez style. I mean, it's not quite, right. you know, like you could tell a difference, but it it felt, you know, kind of along the same mold. So you know, right. you, you didn't feel like you were. Uh, you know, like you were, it, it wasn't jarring, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So, we're ready to move on to the inside? Yeah. Okay. So, we have opening, in, inside credits, Avengers, Loki Unleashed, like I said earlier, Roger Stern, writer, Ron Lim, artist, Espen Grudigern is the color artist, VCs Joe Karamanga is a letterer. I assume there's some letters in Grudigern that are silent. And I believe I believe it's Joe Caramagna. Oh, I was doing Scaramanga from the uh, Man with the Golden Gun. So anyway. But I think Grundigern has some Grundigern. some silent letters in there. It's probably like Grund. It's probably Grundigern. 
I think it's Kirk and, Greenfield. <laughs> and there's I assume that's a Swedish which, name. Yeah, probably. But okay. Bless you. <laughs> and variant covers, which I don't know what the variant covers are, uh, by Ron Lynn, Raphael Fontarez, and Maury Hollowell. Which I have met Maury Hollowell. Maury Hollowell, I believe, is a letterer, though. No, no, he's a colorist. Colorist? Okay, my mistake. Yeah, pretty sure, because I met him. He was, uh, years ago, he was at my L- LCS. Uh, when they, he was the colorist on Civil War, if I remember correctly. But I could be grasping at straws. Right, we're not going to read all the rest of these. So, because uh, it's all the editor, assistant editors, executive producers, blah, blah, blah. Avengers created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. So, right off at the first page, I was uh, with the drawing of L'Oreal there. I was like, ooh. Ooh. It, it, it looked a little bit too cartoonish. That's my feeling exactly. <laughs> it's okay. We're, I, we're on the same page. I, was like, I, I felt like it looked as if we were. It looked as if we were having one of the like the comics that is uh, trying to go with the you know the cartoons you know like when when yes, uh, yes. when they would do like you know well, like they the, had the Justice League Unlimited one, cartoon and yes, then they had the exactly comic that would go what with it. it. Like. That's what it felt like looks, to me. Looks too cartoony. However, once the 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 mates because she's at, at a distance. So what we have is. We're, we're in Asgard, we're in the castle of Loki, he's staring into, as uh, as Tom Harris would say, a cosmic voyeur scope, and just, you know, well, it's it's his scrying sphere, and he's basically looking for new new powers for Asgard, and L'Oreal is uh, leaning on his shoulder, and um, like I said, she looks a little car- cartoony, but when we zoom in, the, he he even he looks a little cartoony in the first opening page, but once we get close-ups, it gets a little better, and then Loki uh, basically zoops her off to uh, the wild gardens of far Alfheim. 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 Anyway, because uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I Alf- guess Alfheim. See, and this Alfheim. is why I wanted Gene Wong with us. I know that's what I was thinking too. He would have been great to pronounce all these. So as uh, he's like, oh, finally, I have no more distractions, and in comes Loki's wife. <laughs> and I forgot that he was married. Sigin. Signin. Signin? Who, who you know, I take as being a very innocent yeah. person who actually believes, like, the best things in her husband. Yep. Foolishly. Yep. Should we read through the dialogue, or, or are we? Uh, should I, we just? I, let, I think I'd let, rather discuss it from a point of view of uh, the art of the story, because I think when we yeah. get too much into reading the dialogue, unless there's something that's pivotal in the dialogue, I think we we tend to stop describing and start just doing voices. The silly voices. Yeah. yeah. As much as silly voices are fun, I'd rather describe. Mm. So he tells uh, Sigan that uh, he's about to embark on a perilous journey because he is he has found a source of power and the object my quest the distant world of Yan. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners to this show, will probably go Scott. Uh, Scott, no, because Scott wasn't here for that. Uh, Paul, Bill, didn't you guys? Haven't you guys discussed the discussed the world of Yan before? 
Well, in fact, we have. And that was when we did the Defenders... Uh, what, did, what did we call it? Was it... Uh, well, it was the two series. There was the first... Of, uh, hold on. I will tell you what it was, because I just clicked first... Four appearances of the planet Yan. And yeah. the page. Yan. Yumpin' Yemini. It is doing nothing. My page is not moving. There it goes. The Order. That's what it was. The Order. It was in, that's it was right. In, it was Order Up. Order Up. That's right. I was I was thinking the First Order, but then that's, star, you know, that's, that's uh, the new Star Wars films. Which yes. Which is not which what we can be debated some other time. That's not what we're here for. We, we, we got enough to do as it is. So yeah, there was a, uh, yeah, that was uh, where Yondroth was from, who was the nemesis. Nemesis. Oh, pay attention. That name will come up again in a different form. <laughs> so yes, the planet Yon, which had was home to the uh, scientist. Was it the scientist supreme? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Gana Gany Rogue. But there was the. Uh, the scientist supreme that actually challenged him was Yandroth, right? I believe so. And then the other scientist, you know, the other guy kind of usurped it, or he was trying to usurp it from him. I don't remember exactly how that went, but I think they were both scientist supreme at one time or another. So from there, because basically the, it just kind of showed the planet through the scrying sphere, and then boom, you turn a page, and now we're looking at the Earth or Midgard, and you basically uh, cops outside the mansion, you got the police barricade lines, and inside you got Tony Stark, which you know, not not, not many people, I guess, can pull off a white suit and a black shirt. Yeah, like Tony John Travolta and Tony Stark. Yeah. So they're walking through the, this, the crumbled ruins of the mansion. He and Cap are speaking, and he's basically saying, hey, I'm sorry I couldn't be here. You know, I was at the bottom of the Atlantic, and what? And what is in here? What is in here, Paul? That well, that that I enjoy seeing that we don't see much anymore, if at all. Asterisks. Oh yes. yes, yes, and and they and they're they're useful ones, which is nice. It doesn't feel like they're just there for the sake of you know, like there was a stretch when uh, what's his name. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis tried to bring back thought bubbles, mm-hmm. and he got kind of silly with them. He wasn't really using them the way they had been used in the past. Yeah, there was. It was instead of like thinking, instead of from what I remember of them, it was basically thinking, not storytelling or like driving the plot. It was more like you know, oh man, I got gas or oh, oh just stupid stuff. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but no, we have this, the return of the asterisk and uh, basically highlighting, you know, uh, the Masters of Evil plotting and solving a mansion as seen in Avengers 273 to 277. And then Tony's like, well, I would have been here, but I was at the bottom of the Atlantic where it all went down. Iron asterisk, Iron Man 218. Now, just to, before we move on from this page, though, I really like the way the art looks on this page. This mm-hmm. looks like a, you know, or at least, you know what? Let me take that back. I'm not really crazy about the close-up of Tony's face. That, that's back to a little too say, cartoony. But the two, yeah. sh- the two longer shots of Cap and Tony together, those mm-hmm. I like. It's almost like too far away they look cartoony, too close they look a little cartoony, but in a mid-distance, 
it's like the Goldilocks point. They look just right. Yeah. Like, like on the previous one, on the previous two pages back, where Loki has got his hand on the scrying sphere, and uh, just before Sigan walks in, uh, he's got that looks pretty good. And it even looks good after she does walk in, and he makes a face like, you know, jeez. <laughs> Because you don't expect Loki to make that face. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just so annoyed. He's like, I just got rid of one person that's going to bug me, and now somebody else is here. What's a god of mischief have to do to get some peace around here? So where Tony Stark on the following pages looks kind of, he's got like derp face. <laughs> and it's, it's also too simplistic of a derp face. I don't know. And he almost steps off into... Like, he didn't see that coming? He didn't see that the floor was missing? Yeah, I, I would think you'd have a, a pretty good idea that you need to walk carefully at this point, the way the mansion was mansion was so devastated. Hey, and then we open on a nice uh, spa, uh, spas, splash page. Splash page? Get your splash page right here. Of um, Well, just a full page. Um, you've got Jan hovering up and Tony's uh, didn't hasn't realized that uh, now she can uh, pop her wings out at different heights or at full size and uh, and and again return of the asterisk and she's like oh I learned how to do that uh, in Avengers 264 and Thor is basically working on a I-beam yeah, <laughs> with the shoulder yeah exactly you you wouldn't want you wouldn't think he'd be using Mjolnir for such Menial tasks. I just just go get a regular the hammer. Road all the live long day. Ooh, ooh, Plus, ooh. you wouldn't you wouldn't think Mjolnir would be a good tool for more fine <laughs> level work. You know, that's that's more more of a bl- you know basically exa- you know not even to exaggerate. It's a blunt instrument. It's not something you'd use for you know you're but not hammering a nail in with it. But it's but it's in the hands of a skilled operator. It can mm. do anything. All right, maybe. Uh, so they've got a little rope ladder going down because the elevator's out of order. And so and they, and through this discussion, they kind of apologize for what happened to the mansion. They kind of feel a little bit uh, responsible. Um, and uh, Tony makes note of Thor's beard, which asterisk occurred in Thor three sixty one when he got the scars of battle and he grew the uh, grew, grew the beard to cover him up. So and and that's not a bad uh, that's a good 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 shot of Thor. It doesn't look cartoony, but then when we get down to the bottom of the page, uh, that Tony looks a little yeah. And into and into the next page with Cat Captain Marvel and Jarvis's mom. I think they no, look on, a little... on this on this page, the one before you get to Jarvis's mom's page. I think mm-hmm. Thor looks good. I think Captain America looks good. I even think the Wasp looks good, but I think Tony routinely looks bad. Yes, yeah, especially that bottom one again. Yeah, or even the one next to that where he, you know he looks almost like uh, Snidely Whiplash. <laughs> yeah, so basically uh, Tony's like, "Hey, don't worry about it. You know, we'll we'll fix it." How's Jarvis? And then that's when they cut to uh, Jarvis, who looks like the Hulk's pinching his butt in this picture. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. I think it's just supposed to be that he's scared. Oh yeah, yeah. He's just you know it's it's well, and they even mentioned that in uh, as Jarvis's mother is, is is discussing it. But man, does 
Does Monica Rambeau's head just look way too big next to Jarvis's mom? Is 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 it her hair? No, no. Just look at this the shot on the bottom left. Uh, her her head has to be at least one and a half times the size of uh, Jarvis's Aunt May looking mom. I mean, granted, she is a little older. She's gotten a little smaller. Your head doesn't I don't, shrink. I, I don't know how tall Monica was. I don't remember her. She looks like she's an Amazon next to this old lady. She just looks huge. But, um, you know, and so she's, she's consoling um, her about Edwin. And, you know, he'll be t- taken care of. Uh, and uh, she said, thanks for the scones. So now we cut back at, and uh, Tony is the scones. Uh, scones. Uh, now they are back, uh, back in the mansion again. And now Tony has the Scarlet Centurion armor. And uh, I guess he had a hidden ready room yeah. down in the bottom of the. Oh well, uh, you know, I uh, had to have a. You know, uh, said that his father built a room for him when he was just a kid. He said every boy should have a, a secret headquarters. Really? Yeah. So there's like another room down there, and so they're they're discussing, uh, you know, well, what are we gonna do while the mansion's under construction? And she's like, well, I, I've arranged to lease some office space from four four Freedoms Plaza, and then they go back. Well, you know, this is way that the uh, since we hosted the FF when their building was being uh, built, this is kind of payback for that. And then the you know well, all no sorts asterisk. Of, yeah, it is. It's oh, yeah, there the we go. Two eighty. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, and then they also bring up the thing about that the Quinjets will continue to operate out of Hydro Base because remember they were grounded by the FAA and the National Security Council that they weren't allowed to fly in, in, in the city. And then in the middle of this discussion, baboo! There's like a big uh, Kirby Crackle ball. And it is, uh, it is Sigan, and she's saying, "Oh, you must save, oh my brave, my brave husband Loki. He, your, you, oh noble Thor, you must save your brother. He has gone to find power for Asgard, and he left me in possession of a Nornstone to talk to him, and he disappeared in his scrying sphere. And now the link is broken, and you must save him." And Thor, no, thank you. Yeah, Thor's got his hands to his forehead, like, oh man, really. Pinching, pinching the bridge of the nose, like, oh, no. And he's like, ah, very well. We shall see what we can do. And then, poof, she disappears. But before they can really discuss this, um, you know, of course, Thor's like, oh, he's the Prince of Lies, but he's also my half-brother. And he did fight alongside in the battle with Surtur, which I'm surprised they didn't put an, an asterisk here because this would have been, uh, oh, what was that, being like the Thor 390s or something like that, I want to say, roughly. It's. I mean, it would be in the Walt Simonson run, but yeah. where, where it was, I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, well, I know. Was that actually when one of the Bucemas took over? Oh, you think so? so? I think I think Simonson was still writing it, <coughs> but I don't think he was drawing it later, like late in the run. Mm-hmm. So then there's an earthly, uh, you know, an unearthly voice. Avengers, heed the call. I say it's unearthly because it's printed in blue i don't know if it's unearthly as much as ethereal oh ooh, yeah good word good word good word that that's the word i was looking for what, is it really that, the word you were looking for is it me you're looking for so we have the 
ethereal astral form of Doctor Strange. Who's also it, looking a little cartoony there. Well, it is an astral projection. Yeah, but it doesn't always look cartoony. Well, you know what? They all look a little cartoony here. If if you look at the faces down there, even Thor, everybody looking up looks a little bit uh, off. But it's still good. Still good. But we're thinking we're we're placing this in the mindset, like you said earlier, of the Busema Palmer, and it that it is not. Yeah, and that's that's really what I would have liked to have seen here if I could have, uh, if they could have tried to go much more towards that style. And I think Ron Lim is capable of that. I don't. I think this is a choice as opposed to a limitation. Right, because this is, from what I remember, of him doing Silver Surfer, this is exactly what you got. You know, a, a lot like this style. But I I do think there's there's a tendency. When, when there's books that are being shoehorned in like this and presented as if it's taking place at that time, I do think that there's a tendency by the artists to kind of oversimplify their lines sometimes, which is, I think, what creates that animated look here or that mm-hmm. animated crossover look, however you want to refer to it. And I, I think that's a mistake because I, I don't think... The artwork was always simplistic back then. I think it was different. I think it was stylistically different, but I don't think it was simple. You know, I think people make that mistake a lot of times with with Steve Ditko when they're trying to to go with his style. They they draw very very simple figures, and Steve Ditko's style really wasn't so simple. When you, when you look at especially some stuff that he did on Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, they you know there was a lot of use of shadows and things uh, that get neglected by people who are trying to recreate the style and and I think it's sometimes it is a limitation that some of these people who are trying to recreate a style don't have his gifts and that's why they oversimplify it but I think they needed to you know I think they generally need to put a little bit more time into it and try and give it a little bit more weight and depth than they do uh, and I, I think Ron Lim is like again I think he's capable of doing that and I think he kind of in my mind, fell just slightly short. And, and it, I may be being overly critical because I don't think this artwork is bad. I just feel like it could have been better. Well, maybe if they, judging by the credits, I'm assuming Ron Lynn, Rim, blah, 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 Mr. Lim inked himself because it's not listing, it, he just is listed as artist. It doesn't mm-hmm. list a separate inker. Maybe if they had got a different inker, maybe this would look different. If they had had, <laughs> if they had the right inker, I think I might like yeah. it more. But uh, you know, who's to say they would have the right inker anyway? Mm. Uh, so Strange pops up, and we 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 have a thought bubble. I think this is the first thought bubble of the book. I believe so. Oh wait, no, Captain Marvel was 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 talking just before was was thinking. Um, how she was she she was enamored with how they were finishing oh, yeah, each yeah, other's yeah. sentences. Um, yeah, so I think she was the only one that was really doing the thought bubbles prior. And uh, but then here Iron Man Tony Stark saying magic. I really hate magic. <laughs> um, so shall we do a little interlude here for um, because we are introduced to a character called Sisseneg. <laughs> Which is Genesis, spelled backwards. 
Yeah, and I, I have a very peripheral or very you know limited uh, story of him, but I do have a memory that uh, when I first started collecting, uh, he was he was appearing at that time in Marvel Premiere number fourteen uh, with Doctor Strange, and I would say that that story at that time was more sophisticated than. I was able to appreciate. So, it was, in fact, that, that issue, uh, the story in that issue is called Sisigneg Genesis. <laughs> uh, but it, it, the artwork there was drawn by Frank Bruner, and his, I, I think his artwork was beautiful, and he did a much better job of giving some weight, again, to uh, Sisigneg. But I, I, had, I had a tough time, you know, I like... I think I had read it kind of once through when I bought it and put it down and never picked it up again because <laughs> it was a little, again, a little bit more sophisticated than my, I guess, 11-year-old mind could handle at that time. But I, I remember, again, I remember that that issue, and I still own it, uh, but I remember the character being, you know, much more dramatic looking. This this one almost looks like he's got a head, just a headband on. He looks like a, almost like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle to me. Well, his entry on the Marvel, uh, for such a, per, you know, he only, ha- I'm waiting for the page to load again, and it's taking forever. What the heck is going on with this computer? Hmm? I don't know. So, <clears throat> Sisseneg, man, does he have a big entry. I don't know if you're pulling it up. I haven't yet. He's got six appearances. Of Sisenig from Earth seven four one one three, and uh, it is many many paragraphs, and about how he's important to the creation of the universe, and he jumps around through time. Uh, I, if, I I didn't have time to sit through and and, and read this tonight, but um, and this book is one of his six appearances, and two of the others are from the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. So not really a key appearing character. And uh, and one of the remaining three is from an issue of What If, Volume 2. So really, Marvel Premiere 13 and 14 is it. I'm not sure what he how he was in the What If. So unless that's for, for the Earth 74113. Probably. So I mean, usually you you don't have a a character with such a long. Uh, it's almost like they probably synopsized all his appearances and just just it's it's a lot. And they actually mm-hmm. mentioned this one in there already, huh? Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive that they've updated it to include this yeah. already. He is yeah because it's it's yeah the the first one, uh, his six appearances is this book. Premiere 13 and 14, Official Handbook, number Volume 1, Number 11, What If, Volume 235. And then the other one is just like a duplicate Official Handbook of the Marvel Universe, Master Edition, Volume 1, Number 2. Or is that Volume 12? Anyway. So, yeah. Interesting. For Sisseneg! <laughs> You said volume two, number 35? Uh, 
That what is. What if the Fantastic Five fought for Doctor Doom and Annihilus? Yeah. So it's not even a Doctor Strange issue. It's a t- oh, it's Time Quake. It was in the Time Quake. Uh, that's probably why. Oh, and Sissonig appears only in a flashback. As so does so he really, really, he has the one key appearance before this. Thirteen and fourteen. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Everything else is is peripheral. So somebody's really digging for this. I mean, somebody did a little homework. Now, if I remember correctly, this was created. He was created by um, Steve Englehart. And yes. Frank Bruner. Frank Bruner, yeah. So somebody dug deep to find this and to to weave it into him into the story, which is nice. It's nice to pull something old from the back catalog and use it. Something old, something new. So uh, Doc Strange tells him, uh, hey, I've traced Loki to the same planet as Sissonig, and uh, we really don't want the two of them mixing it up. Because uh, their conflict could really threaten reality itself, and well, that would be bad. So they all skedaddle up to the rooftop where Doctor Strange has jumped into his body, and he uses the encircle now this cohort with mystic crimson bands. Channel now the might of Majolner, forged by mighty dwarven hands, by the power of the eternal. I have... Wait, sorry. That's before all time began. Shift us now across the cosmos. Bada-bing, bada-boom. To the distant planet. Yawn. And poof, they're there. And it's somewhat of a semi-volcanic world, and they are are greeted by the answering machine. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Supreme scientists designate. Beep. (laughs) You were advised to do likewise. This is... Uh, so anyway, he's saying, uh, hey, uh, strange visitors have unleashed the geophysical forces beyond our control. The science colony has retreated to Jan's furthest moon, to Jan's furthest moon, Yavin. What? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. That doesn't say that. Get it? Jan? Yavin? So, uh, Cap starts to say, oh, it's all right. We're the Avengers and we're here to help. And it says, you were advised to do likewise. This is a recording. And he waves his hand. So, yeah, that that's where the whole, you know. It's kind of funny. Uh, so they send off uh, Captain Marvel to scout around because she can move at the speed of light. But off in the distance, Loki and Sissonag are scrapping. And their scrapping is uh, not being helpful to the planet. And, they they um, look like they're actually like having fun. Fun? Yeah, each Loki other. does, yeah. But... Loki's trying to say, hey, you know, we shouldn't fight. We should be allies. Of course, he's Loki. You can't trust him. Um, so the Avengers go swooping off after Captain Marvel comes back with, you know, after she's reconnoitered. Huh? I bet. See, I said that correctly. Mm-hmm. It's an English word, you know. Like uh, <laughs> Are schedule. Are all the words we use English? You know what I meant. Like schedule and uh, color. <laughs> Only Andy understands you when you talk like that. You're welcome, Andy. (laughs) I say. I say, old boy. There's giant bats chasing us. That's right. We should do the rest of this book as Terry Thomas. Yeah, that'll make people listen. Well, if you would like to hear more of our Terry Thomas musings, go listen listen to the prophets over the last few weeks. There's a lot of Terry Thomas talk. Terry Thomas talk. That should be the name of the podcast. I say Terry Thomas talk. 
So I there's. I think that should be. I think we should, we we have to consider doing that Terry Thomas podcast. <laughs> I say three T's, old boy. It's time for tea. Terry Thomas talk. So they are on their way to find uh, Sisseneg and Loki, uh, but they are intercepted by giant bats, and not bats with hats like in Major League, but big giant freaking bats. Um. But uh, they get a little help from their friends uh, by a giant snail. Yeah. Now With I, psychic powers? I seem to remember a giant snail coming up in Doctor Strange number one or two. Uh, and it was very, very trippy. And it mm. dealt with Sisigneg. Or it was, no, I think it was shortly after the Sisigneg story. But I have no idea if this is the same thing. Hmm. Well, it's a big, giant, one-eyed snail, probably like the size of uh, a Buick. The one, and, and like I said, I only have a vague memory of this, so I may be way, way off. But it, the one I remember, I think, you know, was actually like communicating with Doctor Strange, and you know, was you know much more involved than this thing is. Hmm. But I have no idea if it's you know somehow a callback to that. So anybody who's a big Doctor Strange aficionado and would like to uh, check on that, let us know. Or if you just like giant snails. Escargot. I've never had snail or escargot. I have. It's actually quite delicious. Well, they they put so much garlic and oil in it, that's really all you taste anyway. Ooh, really? Well, well, now you've piqued my interest. So uh, we get a nice little uh, cap alley-oop. Uh, he leaps off the because he's been riding on the back of uh, Iron Man this whole time, and he does a little quick jump off of his back and flips onto the back of a bat, and uh, then kind of uses the bat to uh, like grabs its like bat antennae. But you know these bats have like a cat-like face. Yeah, they don't look like bats. They don't have bat eyes or no. nose. No, they just look like it looks like a tiger kind of. So he's kind of steering the bat, and he steers it into a rock. <laughs> Wonk. It's a very strange rock. It's yeah. Like a long. Actually, no, I think it's a tree. Oh, that's right. It is a tree. That's right. You are correct. Watch out for that tree. Boom. George, George, George of the jungle. Bat, bats, bats on planet Yan. But then there's, there's the very clever pop culture reference by Iron Man. So much for Keaton, Kilmer, and Clooney. <laughs> But the don't doesn't that but, reference think, isn't isn't that anachronistic? Because I don't Good think word. all three of them. Yeah, I don't think all three of them had already by this by nineteen. This would technically be nineteen eighty seven. I don't think any of them had nope. yet. Oh wait a minute, that's right. That's the, right because the Batman Ke- came out eighty nine. Yeah. Good catch. Because so that's, that's a scripting error right there. Hmm. Roger, Roger, Roger. Should have said something about Adam West, maybe. Yep. So much for West, West, and West. Could have just said so much for Adam West. So, so yeah, so much for uh, for Adam West and friends. So, uh, here we get the return of uh, cartoony characters. The cap that lands and says, yeah, good warm-up. Looks a little cartoony again. Yeah, he does. So, uh, everybody's accounted for except for Thor. Oh, no. 
Thanks, Jan. <laughs> Don't tell me. Loki! Sassenag! Cease this foolishness at once, both of you. Who dares? You! And, and they, 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 now they team up. Yeah, now they team up. And, well, it's just like any team-up book. The two, the two, But in this case, the two villains fight. And then they team up to blast the heroes. With a chum and, they, and a wood. A chum, chum wood. And they blast Thor on his big butt. And uh, they're kind of like, oh, see, hey, see, I told you we should t- team up. So they go to do the Top Gun uh, Val Kilmer uh, Iceman High Five. Or I was thinking the uh, Dutch and uh, Dylan. Oh, that. Yes, yes, that too. And uh, they, you know, lock arms and um, Sissonegg decides he's going to drain Loki's power. <laughs> and he's like, I know you intended to. He's like, I have come here from the 31st century where we are well aware. Of your treacherous nature, turn about as fair play, Loki. You intended to drain me of my accumulated energies, did you not? And uh, Captain Marvel breaks him up with a, a Katam. Katam. A big, big blast of light. And uh, she breaks it up, and uh, Sissonig will have none of this foolishness and shoots at her. But hey, she's just a living hologram, and it goes right through her, blasts Loki. <laughs> And uh, ends up trapping Loki, like a like a like a fly trapped in amber. Yeah. And now then, this this page looks cartoony to me again. I guess I guess we may you know we based on the art we should call this like Avengers Avengers Adventures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's still okay, but it just looks a little. The layouts are fine. I just think the fine work is is too, you know, not detailed enough. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think about the next page where they're all standing there facing Sissonig? Same. Uh, I kind of like. It looks a little better. I kind of like everybody but Sissonig in that. Yeah. I again, it seems like if a character's too far or too close, they just look a little off. Like the next few on the lower pages, those like those lower panels, everybody looks pretty good, even Sissonig. I mean, Thor looks pretty good. He's pop, he's got he's pointing back at Loki with his hammer. Jan uh, pops up from small size into large, and she's speaking. Um, so basically, they're you know they're saying, hey, you got to you know we just want to take Loki away. We don't want you know you guys shouldn't if you uh, you know you're going to destroy the planet if you keep fighting. And uh, Sissonig will have none of their that and. He starts to go on a, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a, uh, what type of rampage? Not a rampage, like just his ego, or he's just like, you know, don't tell me what it, he he's like. He he turned into John Locke from Lost. Don't tell me what I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, and of course now it's time for each of the Avengers to to take him on. Iron Man blasts him. Thor brings down the lightning. Cap smacks him with the shield, and uh, Captain Marvel zipping around, Jan stinging him, and Doctor Strange gets him in like you know, like like a wrestling move. He's got the fingers to the forehead, ah, and he stops him still. And um, <laughs> Strange is like, well, Jan says, ah, frozen in mid tirade. Nicely done, Stephen. And Strange is like, uh, but I hadn't completed the spell. 
I didn't do this. Who? And oh boy. It's you the know, Deus Ex Machina. You know you're in trouble now. <laughs> Things are about to go bad or good or indifferent because it's time for the Living Tribunal. The Living Tribunal. Tribunal? I don't know what that is. It's it's like Manimal. Mm, manimal. So. Again, listen to Listen to Prophets, the most recent episode, to get the Manimal reference. Just listened to that this morning on my long drive that I had going to work. But why does why does the living tribunal have no fingers? He's wearing mittens. He's like he's wearing cosmic mittens. I mean, he's also doesn't really have any anatomy. He if you no know neck. what I mean, he's no, well, literally no neck. He's just three faces floating above a, a set of shoulders with no neck. But he's got no fingers. <laughs> he's like it's like he's wearing two Michigans on each end of his hands or end of his arms. So, time for a little explanation. The tribunal is as old as the universe. He exists to maintain a balance of mystic forces and has the power to obliterate stars if he deems that necessary. We uh, This is strange talking. We have a history. Best let me handle this. <laughs> and basically the tribunal's like, oh, you challenge us again, mortal? I've come to bargain. <laughs> I've come to bargain, tribunal. Oh, and he's like, oh, but Sissonig has a destiny. I have seen in base. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think we're not aware of his ultimate importance? And we kind of get the quick down and dirty um, um, from stuff from Strange Tales. Now, when we first met you, you were shown the origin of this u- universe, but you averted your eyes and did not see, and did not then see Sissonig's role in its creation. Get it? Get it? Genesis? Sissonig? Mm-hmm. Uh, clever. And it's Astro Time in the Legendary Strange Tales 158. And then uh, Thor's like, oh, it's blood. Iron Man, is you saying that Sissonig created the Big Bang? Captain Marvel, Strange told us that Sissonig was important, but I never imagined. Cap, neither did I. And Chan, Sissonig is God? And uh, <laughs> it's just kidding. Living Tribunal's got the cute little mitten. <laughs> Sorry. I, why doesn't he have any fingers? <laughs> I right. mean, maybe... He doesn't need them. He doesn't need them. I'm so powerful, I can do this in mittens. So, Dosex Machina sends him back to... Uh, back and further in time to learn what Godhead requires. Basically, he's like, go... Kind of like what happened to the... Uh, well, no, because he was put in a loop by Galactus. You, you remember the Sphinx? The Sphinx, yeah, the yeah. Sphincter. Yeah, he tossed him back in time, but he lived in a loop. He's tossing him back in time so that he can come to judgment and learn and blah 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 blah. So, and then the uh, uh, the Living Tribunal puts his ominous mitten up towards Loki, and Loki's like, woof. <laughs> And Thor has whole tribunal. Loki may not be deserving of mercy, but if he is to answer to justice, let it be as guardian justice. What? What did Loki do? What has Loki actually done? Thor earlier in this book said, Loki, you know, he's a trickster, but he stood with me against Surtur. So, uh, what is the what as guardian justice does Loki have to face? He came. He had a little scuffle with this guy. Sissonig's gone. 
what's the problem? Well, just continue with the story, know, and you'll see what gentle, little what little justice he gets. Anyway, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I don't. If Thor hadn't intervened, who knows what would have happened? So, uh, most interesting, uh, we see Thor. That one past scheme of Loki's led to your joining forces with several mortal heroes and to form the Avengers, a team ever growing, ever changing, ever united against common threats. Which, duh, they knew that. <laughs> As, so, back to Mitten Man. So, I, I guess, I, I, did you know that each, I don't really remember, I don't think, I don't remember these names being given for these faces. I remember different names for these faces, or am I mistaken? Oh, I don't even remember what the names were for the faces. I, I have very, very little exposure to the Living Tribunal. See, I, I, I haven't read much that he's in, and usually when he is, he's just kind of a peripheral background character on some cosmic epic. Yeah, but I could have sworn that these faces were called... So well, anyway, here they're called Hear Us Avengers, the face of equity sees that eliminating Oki, Oki? Loki <clears throat> would cause a further imbalance between good and evil. And we have the, the fully uncovered face. The face of necessity has determined that Loki has destinies yet to fulfill, as do you all. And that's a face that's completely covered. And then they say, and the face of revenge acknowledges that Loki has been humbled, a fitting punishment for such as him. I don't remember them being called this. And no, we're not going to pause and take a look because I just don't care enough at this moment. Please write in. <laughs> Sorry. I kind of remember something like the face of judgment, the face of justice, and the face of the American way. Uh, no, I, I'm not Pretty sure. sure it's not that last one. Yeah, probably not. Um, so, the Mitten Man. Have you met the Mitten Man, the Mitten Man, the Mitten Man? The Nexus world of Yan has been saved and the cosmic balance has been restored, due in no small part to the efforts of you, yes, of you heroes. Thus, it is the final judgment of this tribunal that you will be all sent on your way. Poof. <laughs> they're back on the rooftop of the mansion. And they're like, wow, that was even faster. <laughs> so, everybody's just kind of like, well, yeah. We need to go back to everything. Uh, go back. We, we got to go back. I left my, I left Mjolnir on the planet. <laughs> oh crap! My shield. Oh no. Uh, so, basically, uh, the Avengers get back to what they were doing before Doctor Strange came in, and we cut back to Loki has been returned to his castle to where his loving Sigyn. Uh, he finds out that it was her that appealed to Thor to rescue him, and um, and he's pissed. And he's well, he's pissed, but you know, then he's just back to um, scheming, contemplating, scheming, and that's but, it. But he faces no ju Asgardian justice. That's the point I was making earlier. Oh yeah, there's oh, no point where he's eventually. punished in any way. He's just sent back. Yeah. So that's the end of our story. Loki sitting on a throne scheming so i found it entertaining to read we were talking about this earlier you and i on the phone but you know before we started recording anything 
And I found it entertaining, but I also found it to be a little underwhelming, like it was a story that didn't need to be told. But then on the other hand, uh, I do like the days when stories like this were being told. And and I wish kind of, I don't think I would feel as disappointed. Not that I, I think it's a poor choice of words. I'm sorry that I'm not articulating this as well as I'd like. The whole feeling that it's a story that didn't need to be told is more from the point of we get so few stories like this that I'd want to see something slightly more epic when we are going to get it. Uh, But if we got this on a more regular basis, then I think I'd be more more excited just by getting them regularly and, and I would enjoy them even more. Right. Well, does, does that make sense, my my point? Yes. Well, yeah, because it's nice to get something like this, a, a callback to older storytelling in comics and artwork. I mean, this is a 33-page story. There's a lot. It, I mean, we kind of went through it quickly because there is a lot in here. This is maybe not as dense as like an issue of the Celestial Madonna, but there's a fair amount going on. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of, you know dialogue it, it's 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 uh, i think this was probably 399 or 499 when i bought it and you know what i'm happy that i bought it i i'm not disappointed which will lead into another tirade in a minute um which is what we discussed on, on the phone but so and i wonder if and i picked this up from watching another youtuber because this was his his opinion that he's like is Marvel making a mistake? I think it was young, is it young Ripper fifty nine? And he was saying that is Marvel making a mistake by putting something out like this because they could show that they could tell good stories like they used to. That maybe comics of today are not, you know, they're not engaging. Like who are they selling the comics to? Like I don't are, are they really getting newer? younger readers of comics i mean granted those of us that are older are we're going to age out and not being you know aging out or dying off (laughs) so uh, this is like a throwback to an er 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 earlier day and i hope it sells well but they're not i I don't think they're going to really change their their way of doing things because if this was a story proposed today that didn't tie in directly to this Avengers, you know, what this would be what a four-page story? I mean, a four-issue story? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's a lot in this book, in this one one shot, and so that's gonna. I'm gonna. I don't know if anybody's reading the House of X and Powers of X series. It's been going on with the X Men, and while I kind of grasp what's going on. Um, through the different time periods that they're doing with the X-Men that Hickman is doing. You know, you have current day where Professor Xavier has somehow became something he would in the past would never do. But, you know, I guess you got to change characters and change them up because if you just keep telling the same story and over and over, maybe people aren't going to want to buy it or whatever. So, basically, I'm not quite sure where he's gone with that i i know why because and it's too long to talk about here so but this last issue of this whole 
House of X, Powers of X. You read one, you read the next one. There's a whole reading order, and it tells you what order to read the books in. You know what? It doesn't flipping matter what order you read the books in because they make no goddamn sense, especially the last one. I really liked it up until the last two books, and then the last book was goddamn ridiculous because almost three-quarters of that whole thing, it was like you were watching the end of a movie, and they're going back and explaining to you why you didn't really understand what you read before. But it's not like they it, – it, it's like they played back a movie scene and just had a different narrative. So basically, I paid like five ninety nine for that last issue. I go – in my opinion, I probably got half to three-quarters of recycled art that already had been in the books, the previous books. You sold me basically a reprint for six flipping dollars. And – Prior to even reading it in the L- LCS, I was like, oh, so this is the last one, right? And, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm probably not. He's like, oh, yeah, but it's going to continue into Dawn of X and this X and that X and X-Lax and Explicative <laughs> and this, you know, all these number ones is going to be the, the next reading order. And I went, and this is before I even opened the book and got pissed off. I was like, no, nah, not for me. Not at these prices. I'm like, but you know what? What I just read with this Avengers book, I was happy to pay the price I got. I felt like I got more out of my money. I didn't have pages of text to explain things to me or pages of incomprehensible letters that one of the books had a deciphering key to allow you to decipher it. And I, from what I can gather, all they are is ads for the other other books that are coming or other information uh, okay yeah i guess it's cool to engage me in that but i don't care <laughs> i don't have time to figure out the the decipher whatever it, i i just yeah i bought heroes in crisis from dc it's an event book i enjoyed it okay house of x and powers of x i enjoyed parts of it but not the last two issues and I'm not buying any more. I will not buy this crap that they're putting out right now for any more than a dollar. I will wait. I will, if I have to wait five years to find in a dollar bin, that's what I'll do. And and uh, uh, I don't know. I know. You're turning into Leslie Nielsen. You can hold your breath a very long time. I can hold my breath a very long time. I mean, it's just... Uh, I just can't see how, com- how they can keep going on like this. I, I just don't. How do they stay in business? I mean, sales numbers are down overall. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. That was the other thing. Oh, oh. We're up to a second and third printing of um, House of X and Powers of X. Well, yeah, that's probably because you had a limited print run. You don't sell what you used to sell anymore. I, I don't know. I'm tired of I'm tired of complaining about price and everything. And And you know what? Some of you are probably tired of hearing me complain about it, too. So, you know, maybe we should just make a moratorium and not complain about price anymore and and quality. Maybe we should just stop the show right here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that'll happen one day. Yeah. But not today. Not today. Well, let's rate so this let's, one. So let's rate this one now that we've talked about House of Schmeck. Okay. I, I, I really like the cover. Like I said, I think it harkens back to the uh, John Buscema Tom Palmer artwork 
that we got in the original series. I don't think it's going to be quite to the level of iconic. It almost looks to me like it would be the cover of a uh, trade paperback. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say a B plus on it. I, I, I like it a lot. The interior art is much more inconsistent when it, you know, when it looks cartoony, I'm not a fan. When it looks like normal comic art, I am. Uh, and it seems to go back and forth between those two. So I'm going to say for the interior art, a B minus. Uh, I think it, it's got some moments where I really like it, but uh, actually I'm going to drop that to a C plus. There's some moments where I really like it, and there's some moments where I'm really just not so crazy about it at all. Yeah, uh, average, right so in the I'm, middle. I'm going to go, well, I'm going to say just slightly better than average because there are mm. some that I like a lot. Okay. Uh, and the ones that, I, that I'm not crazy about, it's not that they're bad, it's just that there's nothing special about them that, you know, they're just too cartoony for me. Uh, and the story, it's kind of, fun because it harkens back to a lot of things but it's, it's, it's kind of yeah it's definitely got the nostalgia factor exactly uh but it's kind of inconsequential in that it's it shoehorns in and it doesn't it, it doesn't give us any greater understanding of anything that went on at least not from my perspective so it's just kind of a story that i didn't think needed to be told but is but you were entertaining glad you read it yeah yeah so I'm going to say a C plus. No, I'm going to say a B minus on the story. And overall, I'll give the book a B minus. Okay. But I wish they would do more of them. Yeah. So, so it, it's almost like it should get a bump in the grade because I wish they would do more like this. Because if they had these and they were and they were reasonably priced, I'm not going to say anything more about price than that. Uh, I would I would be going back to the comic store and buying more books like this. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, so, like you said, that you thought that this would be like a cover for a trade, which that's kind of what made me leery at first. Going Loki Unleashed is this just a bunch of adventure stories reprints of Loki? That's why I, I'm like, look, I have to open this. So I'm not going to buy this without opening it and see what's going on. And that's when I saw, oh, okay, this is an original. This is a new story. Okay, so I don't. But Loki Unleashed is really not a proper title for this story yeah no it's it, you're right it's not he's not really unleashed he's not even the focal point of the story really i mean it almost should be origin of genesis or maybe something with genesis or uh, do you know what restraint i just showed <laughs> yes i do so uh, so maybe if they just I think yeah it should have been named something besides Loki un- unleashed Loki restrained Loki's restraining order yeah but um, no I'm going to give the cover for its hearkening back because t- to me the art here is better than the inside uh, I'll give it a B plus as well the inside You gave a C plus. I'm gonna just give it a straight C. I mean, it it's good and it's bad. It's up, it's down. So straight it's hot up. And C. And it's cold. Stacked and it's cold. Now I'm gonna sing Katy Perry all night. Thanks. You read a book, then you don't bring it to the show. Oh. Uh, uh, the story, you know, is this a story that needed to be told? 
I don't know. Maybe this will tie into something. You know what? Maybe they told this story. This just occurred to me. Why would we know? Why would they tell this story? Could this be? Oh, you know what? Each each year they release a second Avengers. Um, like we've had the past two years, there's been a separate Avengers storyline, usually about twelve issues. I wonder if this uh, is. Uh, second ass, whatever, or second gen, whatever the hell is Neg, Sissenag. If Sissenag, if if he's going to play into the ongoing next summer or next year's Avengers story, you That's know what I mean? Very possible. That would almost uh, be similar Just, to when we did the point one issues. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And they, like they brought maybe, in what was it, Mutant X or whatever the character's name was? Oh, uh, it was the the girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't. Well, Traveler's Pathway. Anyway, the girl who ended up being the um, Grandmaster's daughter, the game, the game master. Uh, no, the Grandmaster. Yeah. Bam. What was her name? Kirk screaming right now. <laughs> I, I hope he doesn't sound like that. <laughs> well, yeah, at least for his for his family's sake, because they probably have to lock him up. What? He's not even speaking English. I don't know. So yeah, I wonder if this he this is going to play into something, or it can possibly play into nothing, and it ends on one shot, and it'll never do anything again. Either way, I'm happy with the story, and I will give the story a B. So we're looking at like a B minus C for me. B minus C. Yeah, or maybe a B ish. All right, and that's this week's Avengers Spotlight episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I know uh, you know we did. The last time we did some newer books, I think you know we we weren't very fond of them, and we did get some sort of a comment that if we're going to do you know we should we should try and do books that we like because you know I guess uh, people don't like to hear us bitching and moaning. So uh, a lot of times because of the random nature of the show, we don't know if we're going to like it until after we've already picked it and started to go through it, but. That was the case here where we picked it. You know, we didn't really know what we were going to think of it when we picked it up and decided we were going to do it. But uh, I'm gl- I'm kind of glad we did like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not not great. It's not going to be something that you're going to be hearkening back to years from now. But it was definitely entertaining. Yeah, I had a good time reading this. Yeah, me believe too. me, I I read this in one sitting in the bathroom and my legs were really numb because <laughs> it's a long book. We have discussed the concept of too much information, right? Oh, whoops. And say goodnight, Bill. Uh, Sis and Egg? Good night. Good night. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
Mine won't work if I turn it on now, I don't think. 